Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group, our roundtable with our partner, Katz Melenik. Today is Saturday, January 28th, 2023, January Cervical Cancer Awareness and National Blood Donor Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clayton, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our partner on the line, David Melenik. He's a CPA and president and founder of Katz Melenik Incorporated and a military family member. We're going to talk about 2023 tax season started. I know that time is coming. Get your refund or pay your taxes. Yeah. How you doing, Dave? Yeah, hi, Sean. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, filing season has officially started. Uh, as of Monday, uh, this past Monday, January twenty third, electronic filing can officially happen. Now, if you are a family who has a child tax credit or an earned income credit. You actually cannot get your refund until February 15th. There was a law called the FAST Act that, that put that into place to where refunds with child tax credits and earned income credits can't be issued until February 15th. However, you can still get your taxes filed. And uh, if you have dependents, the earlier you can file them, the better, so that you can make sure you're getting to claim your dependents and no one else claims them on you. Now, you mentioned they can't get it till February 15th. Does that include people that get those uh, rapid refund, like loans and things like that? How does that affect those types well, of Well, you just, you just said it. That's a loan. So they, they get a loan against their refund, and then the um, whatever bank it is gives them, gives them money up front and then takes the money out of their refund. Hmm. So those, that won't be affected, but that might cost them more money, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're paying like... Uh, 200% interest on that or something. Holy crap. Holy moly guacamole. That's a lot. Of, <laughs> that's like usury, yeah. man. What's that even legal? <laughs> I don't even get that. That's crazy. Uh, there's there's technically not a limit on what on what interest percentage can be charged right now. So, I mean, somebody they, they tried to pass something in the law a couple years ago, but it never went through. Wow. So what are some of the things that business owners are doing to get ready for 2023? Are you seeing... Uh, business owners doing things differently in 2023. Um, well, there's a couple of there's a couple of breaks that have either started to or completely gone away at the advent of 2023. The first is uh, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, as you know, several of the credits start to phase out. Several of the credits and deductions. One of the big things for businesses that has started to, to phase out is the 100 percent bonus depreciation. That no longer exists. Now it's 80 percent bonus depreciation. Next year it becomes sixty. Year after that it becomes forty. Year after that it becomes twenty. Then it then it goes away completely unless Congress reauthorizes it. Uh, the other the other big one that just went away is uh, the meals deduction that when you when you eat out at a restaurant and it's a business meal it was a hundred percent deductible in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. That was to get people to go back to restaurants after COVID. Uh, that has gone away now as well back to 50% meals and deductions unless meals and well meal deduction unless you are a truck driver in which case you're 
when you're subject to DOT regulations, you can get 80% of your meals and entertainment as a write-off. Okay. So so people have to be really careful about what they're spending with their business owners. And that's one thing I think a CPA can really be helpful with because and I recommend this all the time. Make sure you talk to a CPA about your taxes so you can make a plan for the for the year and save money. So instead of making these mistakes and finding out at the end of the year, oh, I spent all this money on, you know, on eating out. So I didn't know that. I didn't know that they changed the, the percentage again. Yeah, they, they, they it just changed as of January 1, 2023. And, you know, uh, tax, I, I've, I've been on here many times. I've told, I've told you listeners many times, tax planning is very important. Um, at the, at, at the end of last year, the beginning of this year, you know, you can always you can always uh, go out and do things like um, purchase assets and and purchase items that, that you need within your business that will mitigate your tax liability. Uh, also, you know you want to you want to do the tax planning of making sure you pay in your taxes. Uh, in case uh, your listeners don't know, January fifteenth was actually the the final installment, if you were making quarterly estimated, to pay into 2022. You're supposed to pay it by January 15th. Hmm. So now this year, the RMD age also changed. Is that right? Uh, they did They did a law at the end of the year when they passed the uh, the omnibus bill. Uh, it, was, it was in the omnibus bill. It was called Secure 2.0. And basically what that did is it, did a lot of things with Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks, especially. Um, employees can now get the employer contributions placed into a Roth account. The employer still gets the tax deduction, but the employee has a, a Roth 401k at that point instead of a traditional 401k, which means it's after-tax money. So when they pull that money out, they're not taxed on it. So before, previously, when you when an employer, when you put your money into a Roth 401k, your money was always after tax, but the employer's matching was always pre-tax. So now it's all right. going to be after. It's all going to be after tax. They're they're, they're well, you have to you have to be knowledgeable about it. Oh. You have to be knowledgeable about it because you, as the employee, have to make an election. Hmm. You have to go to your employer and specifically make an election to do that. Wow, Once you okay. do that, then it becomes. Roth contributions instead of traditional contributions. Okay. But you have to make the ele- election as the employee. Okay. What's the new RMD age? I believe it went up to 73, and I think it goes up a couple more times Okay. over the next couple of years. All right. So what's the number one question you get from taxpayers now as you're starting to do taxes uh, at the beginning of 2023? I know you're very busy at this time of year. But what is the number one question you would say or the top two questions you get from, from your clients? I would say the biggest one is how can you save me money on taxes? And, and it's almost, it's kind of a sad thing because it's almost, we're at the point where it's almost a little bit too little too late. Cause if we asked that same question a month ago, we're still in 2022. We have things we can do to reduce the liability. At this point, your profit, your profit is what your profit is. Whatever you made last year is what you made. And now you have, you have to figure out how you're going to pay the tax on that. Now we can figure out a way to to pay the tax on it if you don't if you don't have the tax paid out already. But um, there's less opportunities now for planning than there were even a month ago. Hmm. 
to a lot of the things you could do last year, you don't have those same benefits, those same opportunities to really save money. But that makes it more make even more important, I would think, to, to make sure you plan. Now that actually actually saying that, there there are a couple of things that you can still do in twenty twenty three up until April fifteenth that that you can uh, have as tax write offs. Uh, those are putting uh, contributions into a traditional four hundred one. Uh, tr- I'm sorry, traditional Roth IRA. Traditional Roth IRA. That that's silly. A traditional IRA, uh, and that's tax deductible. And obviously, you you pay the taxes on the back end, or um, putting contributions into a health savings account. And the health savings account is actually interesting because it's the only account that you can put the money in pre-tax and spend the money out without having to pay taxes as well. You just have to spend it on health costs. So, for example, if you have a high deductible. Actually, having a high-deductible health insurance plan is the only way to have a health savings account. But if you have one of those and you have a health savings account and you contribute to it, um, you can then use that money that's in there to pay uh, medical expenses. As long as you do that, you never pay taxes on the money. And while it's in the health savings account, you can also invest it. So really, it's just completely free money, free growable money all the way around. Hmm. Do you anticipate that you'll see a lot of your customers um, getting bigger refunds this year, or do you see them getting about the same as last year or maybe higher? It's, refunds are going to go down this year. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, there was an expanded child tax credit last year that um, that pushed refunds upward. Uh, there were uh, tax breaks with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that are starting to phase out, um, and, there, and there are... Uh, there are additional things. Basically, everything has adjusted away from the favor of the taxpayer this year. So I anticipate refunds will go down quite a bit. Now, that said, it's not not quite a bit, but it'll go down. Like, you probably see on average a 20 to 30% decrease in a refund. Wow, that's a lot. That's a big it is, but that that's the way the tax laws changed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that said... If you give us a call, 708-914-8220, we're going to do what we can to put the maximum amount in your pocket, and we can deal with all sorts of different cases, Like if, and, and we especially specialize in the cases where it's difficult to, to do and you don't know how to handle it. One example of that, if you have a 1099-C, what is a 1099-C? That's a cancellation of debt. So if you have a cancellation of debt, that's something where, like, for example, you got your house foreclosed on and you uh, still owed money on the mortgage. Well, let's say you owed $150,000. That $150,000 now just doesn't go away. You think you're done when you do the foreclosure, right? That's not the end. Now the bank issues a 1099-C so they can write it off on their tax return. And then you have to, if you don't know what to do with it, you have to pay taxes on that 150000 because technically the, the way the IRS sees it, you got an asset, you didn't pay back the loan that you used to get the asset, so now that becomes income to you, even though you don't have the asset anymore. Um, so I've seen situations where people were look, staring down, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 tax bills, even up to a $100,000 tax bill because of a 1099-C, but if you know how to handle it, 
if you know how to deal with one of the five exemptions under Section 108 of the Internal Revenue Code that gets rid of cancellation of debt income, you can actually completely eliminate that cancellation of debt income and turn a $50,000 tax bill into a $5,000 refund. Mm. That's powerful. Does that include people that file bankruptcies? Absolutely. Bankruptcy is actually one of the five uh, exemptions under Section 108 that gets you out of cancellation of debt income. Wow. If you're facing that situation, give us a call, 708-914-8220. We can get you out of it. Again, 708-914-8220. So the the child tax credits, walk us through that a little bit, because a lot of people ask questions about that, because they don't, and I know that it's changed a little bit over the last few years. Is that money, I think, did you mention that money is actually being decreased as well coming forward, or is that, what's going on with that? So, So last year specifically, because of COVID, they expanded the child tax credit, and they gave people an advance payment on the child tax credit. So normally the child tax credit is $2,000 per child, and $1,400 of that maximum is refundable. Um, the way they changed it last year is they made, instead of $2,000, it became $3,600 of a credit if your child was under the age of six. And if your child was under the age of 17, it was a $3,000 credit. So they upped it by at least $1,000. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, you also received, if you didn't opt out of it specifically and you had a child on a prior year tax return, they sent you a an either $250 or $300 per month payment per child from July 2021 to December of 2021. Um and then the remainder of that, which was either 1500 or 1800 you still got as a refundable credit on the return. The, the entire 3000 and 3600 amounts were fully refundable last year, and that led to a large increase in a lot of people's refunds because if you have four kids under the age of 17 and two of them are under the age of six, that right there is 3600 3000 3000 That's That's... of tax credits that are fully refundable to you, even if you have no tax liability, even if you have no income. Now, now the way the child tax credit is, you can only get a maximum of $2,000 per child. So same situation, you're down to a maximum of $8,000 of tax credits and only 5,600 of that is refundable maximum. And you have to have income in order to be able to claim it. Now, we've seen interest rates go up a lot this year, um, and so that has affected a lot of people's credit card bills. People maybe even get being get behind on their payments if they have a variable rate on the mortgage. That's going up. Does that? How does that play? Or do you see that in any way at all shaping or changing how taxes are paid? Because they're 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 the value of their dollars shrinking, but the tax bills are going to are pretty much were already set last year. The tax amounts and tax rates and laws are already set. So how do what do you see that? How do that you see that affecting people's household income? Well, that's that's definitely going to take a chunk out of people's household income. I mean, we've seen inflation over the last several months uh, change the game in terms of how how much how far a dollar goes, right? So, um, with the interest rates being as high as they are, I, I saw them as high as like eight and a half percent for a mortgage. Um, if you're paying that. Uh, that's that's obviously a lot more money out of your pocket than when we were talking about 4% mortgage interest. Now, the plus side to that, if there is a plus side, is that if you're paying that much mortgage interest, 
that mortgage interest is potentially tax deductible on your tax return. Um, so you could you could also get um, you could also get a an itemized deduction, or if you have a business, you could lease a uh, home office to your business and take and take a percentage of your of your home completely as a deduction. So. Like for example, you could take twenty five percent, maybe even up to fifty percent of your home as a as a uh, as as claimed as business use, and then you could take your utilities, your homeowners insurance, your mortgage interest, your property taxes, depreciation on the value of the house, um, cleaning and maintenance if you have it, like a lawn care service, or if you have a clean a cleaning person that comes to your house, uh, repairs, supplies for those repairs. Everything like that can be deducted at, at whatever rate that you claim as business use for your household. Um, that can that can help in situations where you have people with like excess property taxes in excess of ten thousand dollars. You can only claim ten thousand dollars of property taxes on Schedule A. Well, we can move some of that to Schedule E as well and and claim it there and get you the deduction back that you're supposed to have. And do you see a lot of guys that are gig economy workers, like people that are doing Uber and maybe DoorDash deliveries and doing all these self-employed things, these gig economy guys? Are they are they missing out on some of these deductions because they're not really thinking about what they actually spend money on to keep themselves going? Well, okay, so so if you're if you're a small business of any kind, and if you're if you're doing stuff in the gig economy, you are a small business, whether you realize it or not. Uh, you are going to miss out on deductions if you don't keep your books well and know and know what your income and expenses are. And I mean knowing your numbers is crucially important when you're running any kind of a business, but um, especially when it comes to tax time, if you don't know what your deductions are, you have to pay more in taxes. And the other the other key thing for for that group of people, small business owners, uh, is is making sure that you have an election to be taxed as a small business corporation. Uh, that that in and of itself can save you thousands upon thousands of dollars, even if you report the same amount of income. I was just sitting with a gentleman. Uh, I had a, I had lunch with him, and he told me that he made about a hundred thousand dollars last year and paid a thirty thousand dollar tax bill. Whoa. I told him I could knock that down. To fifteen thousand just by filing one form, wow. and that's a hundred percent true because he's paying self-employment tax on that fourteen on that on that hundred thousand dollars. He was paying about fifteen thousand dollars of self-employment tax and about fifteen thousand of income tax. We take away the self-employment tax by filing an election to be taxed as a small business corporation, and now he doesn't pay that self-employment tax. He only has to pay the income tax. Wow. Podcasters around the world, we're giving you pearls here, man. Listen to it. <laughs> we're telling you some stuff that you guys need to know. So when you look at pe- – when people file their taxes as, as married couples, does it make a difference nowadays with the new tax code if you, ma- if you file marrying filing separately or marrying filing jointly? Is there any advantage doing one way or the other? Oh, 100%. You're, you're way better off filing married filing joint in almost every case. There are very there are very few exceptions to that rule. There are some exceptions, but I would say ninety eight to ninety nine times out of a hundred, it's going to be better to file married filing joint than it is to file married filing separately. Because when you're married filing separately, 
Every threshold for a credit goes down. Every threshold for... So I'll give you an example of that. Uh, the American Opportunity Credit, right? If you have a kid that's going to college, actually, you're not even eligible to claim that if you, uh, if you are married filing separate. If you're married filing joint, you are. And you have a threshold of $180,000 of income you can make before that credit goes away. And that credit is a $2,500 credit per child in college. Uh, $1,500 of it is a non-refundable credit, and 1000 is a completely refundable credit. So even if you have no tax liability, you can still get $1,000 out of the credit. Um, but you can't get it if you're married filing separate. Student loan interest is another thing you can't claim if you're filing married filing separate. And if you have a rental property, uh, there's a there's uh, a maximum of $25,000 of rental deduction that you can take. Uh, it phases out for every dollar over for every two dollars of AGI over a hundred thousand, uh, up to one hundred fifty thousand. A dollar of the exemption phases out. When you're married filing separate, that exemption starts at fifty thousand and phases out at seventy five, and it's dollar for dollar. Mm. Wow. So, what do you think? The- Those are just some examples of of ways that married filing separate really hurts you. The only time I really recommend somebody files married filing separate is if they are very uncomfortable with what their spouse does and they don't trust it and, and they think it's criminal, then you avoid legal liability that way. That's the only time I recommend it. And but sad, but sad, but true. But I also see a lot of uh, um, not CPAs, but people that file taxes seasonally that work for some of these like you know H and R blocks and things like that. Not knocking those those outfits at all. But people that are not really true tax professionals, they do people's taxes. They get paid by the the return that they file. So they sometimes encourage married couples to file two different returns because that's like two different uh, you know uh, checks coming in, two different bills are. Well, yeah, but that that means that they're looking out for their best interest. I'll tell you right now. I, as, not only as a CPA, but I as a, as a business person and someone who has to do this stuff myself as well. Obviously, I have to file taxes just like everybody else. I look out for my clients as though it's my situation. I'm not going to recommend to somebody that they create more forms so I can charge them more money. That, that doesn't make sense to me. It makes sense to tell somebody to advise them in the best way possible. It's going to save them the most money and get them the most money back from from what what they've had to pay in and what they and and keep as much hard-earned money of my my client in their pocket as possible that's what i want to do um if they if someone else is looking out for their best interest that you shouldn't be going to them you should you should go to someone an example of what i'm talking about is there are times where i've looked at a business and they said, Oh, should I, should I file, should I file an election to be taxed as a small business corporation? And it didn't make sense for them. Now, if I wanted to look out for my interests, I could tell them, yeah, go ahead and file the election because then it creates an extra tax form that I could charge them extra for. But instead of that, I say, no, it's in your best interest to file this in, in this different way. That's going to file on your personal return and you can keep it to one form and you're not going to pay any more taxes doing that. Wow. You're a good man, Dave Malenik. Very good man. Appreciate you for all the things you're doing. I'm going to ask you this last question before we have run out of time. We might have a couple more questions in. but So what is the number one, what would you say is the number one uh, tax deduction or tax credit that people don't take advantage of? Like if there's one thing that people, that, or maybe one uh, thing that people, most of us just don't know anything about. 
Um, well, a lot of people don't know about the home improvement deduction. And there's a couple different home improvement deductions. There's one that's very small. It's like a, up to a $500 credit. But you can get it for things like if you buy appliances that are Energy Star, if you if you put new windows in, if you put new doors in. It's not a lot, but it's $500 extra dollars that you can get. Um, another, another one, but also on top of that, there are certain improvements that you can make to your home. Um, like for example, if you install a geothermal heating system, I know that's a lot of money and it's, it's something that not a lot of people can afford, but if you happen to decide to do that or, or some other type of one that qualifies under, under the code for certain energy efficiencies, you can deduct up to 30% of that cost. And some of that is refundable. Wow. So it's it's really important to to know that stuff when you're considering like to make home repairs. Uh, can I get this as a tax deduction? Can I get this as a write off? That's that's an important thing. Um, what was the other thing I was thinking of? What about an EV? Uh, that, I mean, like that. Electric vehicles. Yeah. Well, an electric vehicles. That's that that is another example. They they actually just changed it. But if you um, you have to know which electric vehicle you're buying and if it qualifies for a tax credit. You're going to go buy an electric vehicle, and part of the reason for that is you're, get, you're trying to get some money back on your taxes. Make sure you're getting the right one. Hmm, that's good to know. Because I would think I would have just bought one and said, I'm going to get my tax credit. <laughs> and found my taxes and been disappointed. Get paperwork from the dealership that says you get the tax credit, okay. and then you know you're going to get it. Okay. And then, so, and finally... So when people find their taxes, what is the one thing, what's the time frame typically for when they should expect the refund? Because I know in the previous years, the IRS has been kind of late getting those refunds out. Is that going to be the same way this year? So, so the first, so one, the IRS processing times have not subsided. But the one thing I will say is they typically prioritize electronically filed uh, current year tax returns. They prioritize processing those very quickly. So um, unless you're dealing with that uh, February 15th deadline issue I'm talking about, I I talked about earlier, you can typically expect an electronically filed return. You can expect to get a refund with between 10 and 21 days from the date the return is filed. Dave Malenik, CPA president and founder of Katz Malenik Incorporated and a military family member. Thank you for your information all your time. Thank you, Sean. Give us a call, 7914-8220. You need any help with any of this, we'll help you out. Good advice. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.